Father God, it is an honor to, to be here in this place among this people. Uh, it is an honor and a, uh, a, a challenge to deliver words from you. And my prayer is that you would be pleased to speak through me, that you would be pleased to join us in this place. And we pray for your spirit to move that uh, each one of us would hear a word from your heart, a word we need to hear, that we would leave this place saying to one another, it was good to go up to the house of the Lord. Father, we pray that all in Jesus' name. Amen. As I say, I knew uh, as soon as I was asked if I would like to preach, I knew what was on my heart to share. It is true, it's a while since I have been here in person, but it, uh, it isn't many days that go by to where I'm here in spirit. We read your bulletins, uh, we see emails, we keep up when uh, people from Illinois are in our neck of the woods, which by the way is uh, upstate South Carolina. If you're ever in the area, stop on by. But uh, the... Uh, What's going on in the Oregon Church of, heart, or Church of God is dear to my heart, and it's, uh, it's in my thoughts, and uh, some of the things that I've been hearing lately uh, relate very much to things that have been going on in Guthrie Grove, uh, the church that I uh, serve as a deacon in, church we attend now. Uh, both of our churches have had some unpleasant happenings in the last weeks and months and years. Both of our prayer lists, as I look through your bulletin and, uh, and read through it and see names I know, and both of our prayer lists read the same. There are hurts of every sort. There are deaths. There are hospital stays. There are soldiers in harm's way. There are families with issues, spiritual needs. Uh, we, we as churches travel in seasons, it seems, from loss to loss, from pain to pain. And I have uh, in my heart a desire to try to put some of those experiences into a biblical context. What does it mean, the things that we have been going through? We can add to what's written down in public the, uh, the private personal needs, the trials that many are going through that aren't so well known. There may be financial needs. There may be uh, struggles within the family for peace and a longing for a different character within the home. Indeed, there seems to be from time to time a shortage of good news, even within the church. By way of encouragement, I want to share three things with you this morning. First off, this present age in which we live is an age where evil reigns. The kingdom isn't here yet. We are in a kingdom, but the kingdom in which we are living now is an age where evil reigns. And there are two kingdoms vying for our allegiances. The kingdom of the here and now, which has its preachers and has its, uh, its attraction. But there is another kingdom coming whose author and creator is God himself. And he invites one and all to participate in it. 
We must not lose track of which kingdom we travel through. Second thing I want to share is that Jesus' central message was, of course, the coming kingdom of God. That's what he had to share. It's what he was about. Thirdly, that until God's kingdom come, believers are asked to bring with them where they minister, touches of the kingdom, that they're changing as we move into people's lives, that we bring with us pieces of the kingdom, that the things that are behind us, the places that we have traveled through, that place looks different than it did when we walked into it. So firstly then, how does God describe the kingdom in which we now live? Turn with me, if you would, to Galatians, the first chapter. Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, Paul opens with a prayer for the brothers and sisters in the church now. Galatians chapter 1, verse 3. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, listen, to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom we give glory forever and ever. Amen. The prayer of Paul for his friends in that church in Galatia is that God would rescue them from the present age. And how does he describe it? Evil. By the way, the fastest sermon I ever preached was down on 3rd Street, uh, the, uh, I don't remember the name of the choir, but uh, Dale Ramsey had invited, invited a choir in from Minneapolis, and uh, they were sitting in the uh, choir loft, and every time I opened my mouth, they said amen. And uh, it just sped me up. So uh, from time to time, I will ask a question. And the sooner you respond, not that going home is where we need to be, but uh, anyway... Amen. <laughs> that we would be rescued. He prays for them that they would be rescued from the present age, and he describes it as evil. And friends, that age is still the age today through which we travel. Romans chapter 8, in verse 18, Paul is not going to say this kingdom and the coming kingdom, but he is going to describe this life and the next one and what he feels we and creation are going through in this life. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings, the here and now, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Their creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. And not only so, but we ourselves, who had the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly, as we wait eagerly for the adoption as, as sons, the redemption of our body. All of Paul's language there is forward looking. 
that creation is groaning for the recreation. That we are, are groaning for the adoption that will come as part of the kingdom. How does God describe the kingdom in which we now live? He describes it every place in the word as being a place that we should be looking forward to the next life. This kingdom has its good times through which we travel. There are the beautiful things in the here and now, but all of them are mere shadows of what is to be. We really don't need to spend a whole lot of time making the point that the current kingdom, the here and now, is a time in which there is too much pain, too much evil. We could read the prayer list once again to make that point. What do we know about the kingdom to come? We know that it was Jesus' central message. We know it's what he went about teaching and preaching. We know that it was also the central message of the early church. We're going to look into that in just a moment. But we know that the central message of Jesus, the central message of Jesus' disciples, was the kingdom of God. One has to wonder, how comes is it that churches nowadays, most times that is not the central message? If it was Jesus's, why isn't it the central message today? You ever heard the uh, you ever heard the line that the enemy of the good or the enemy of the best is the good? You know, Sears used to have a marketing thing where you could uh, you went in, you want to buy a faucet, they had the better they had the best, the better and the good. Well, you you didn't buy all three of them. And if you didn't, you know, if you bought the good, you didn't get the best. Sometimes the good that we are used to really becomes the enemy of the best. Remember down on 3rd Street one time, uh, I had prayed that, uh, that God's kingdom would come and come quickly. And uh, after the service, uh, a young mother building a new house came up to me and said, you know what? I know what you're saying. But I'm kind of hoping Jesus doesn't come right away. I want to see my children grow up. I want to I meet my grandkids. I want to move into my house. At the very same time, Ethel Johnson, a saint of a woman. It was uh, our Barnabas, always writing notes of encouragement, uh, ministering to people, uh, had had a stroke. She was living at home, had oxygen tank, uh, but mentally in pretty good shape. But when I went to visit Ethel, and when we would uh, read about the coming kingdom, and we'd read about the hope that the church has. And as she, to use Paul's word, was groaning in response to it, wanting to say something, but not having the ability to. You know what? I think Ethel had a whole different viewpoint than the young lady did about which kingdom to be looking forward to. 
sometimes the good, and this life is good, there's much good about it. But sometimes when we focus in on it, we lose track of really that there is a better thing that is promised. It was the message of Jesus. It was the message of the early church. Look in, uh, look in Matthew chapter 4. If you would, Matthew chapter 4. After the, uh, after the temptation of Jesus uh, is concluded and Jesus is coming out of the... Uh, uh, coming out of the desert, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. It's written, At that time Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Next couple verses show Jesus uh, gathering disciples. That's the message they've been hearing from him, and now he gathers up some disciples. Verse 23, we read the method, the message, and the ministry of Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease, sickness, and sickness among the people. What is the method of Jesus? What's it say? He went where the people were. He traveled about. He went to their synagogues. He went to the places where the people were. The synagogues is where people are already going to be talking about spiritual matters. They're going to be open, uh, perhaps, to listening to what he has to say. So he's going to, him, going to them. What's his message? It says, preaching the good news of the kingdom. So he's going where the people are. He's taking to them the message that there is a better life. There's a better life. And it's a life that God has planned. Then it says here, his ministry, healing every disease and sickness among the people. I think it's instructive for us to notice that Jesus was always leaving behind him a situation that looked more like the kingdom than the situation to which he, to which he walked into. Said another way, Jesus' message was validated by his ministry. As Jesus is saying, uh, in the kingdom, there will be no more hurt and pain. He says to the blind man, uh, you know, he heals the blindness and scales fall from his eyes. For that blind man, for that time, the kingdom had come in a little way. He says to the lame man, get up and walk. In that situation, looks a whole lot more like the kingdom than it did before Jesus had shown up. Jesus' message was, the kingdom is coming. And it's the gospel, which means what? Good news. The good news is, the kingdom is coming. Amen. Thank you, Russell. <clears throat> we got a twosome going. You're welcome to join in. Let me, uh, let me interrupt here myself. You can keep going. <laughs> let me interrupt uh, just for a moment. I want to take kind of a, a little side journey here. The Lord's Prayer. What is the first request of Jesus in the Lord's Prayer? 
No. No. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, what on earth does that mean? I mean, is it a platitude before we get into uh, bless this food? I mean, is that what Jesus says is a prelude to his first request? I don't think so. I think it is his first request. He's saying, Father, let us bring, let, it, let us uh, show that you are holy. Let us live a life that shows that you are holy. Hallowed, holy be your name. And then his second request is, Thy kingdom come. Now, uh, call it a hunch, but I don't think Jesus is meaning someday. I think Jesus is meaning today. Today. Jesus isn't saying, I want it to come someday at some point. I think Jesus is saying, I want it to come now. The Lord's Prayer, really, is a prayer that makes me nervous. I guess when I first started saying, wait a minute, what, what is this prayer saying? Is, uh, is the whole bit about uh, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Now think about that. Anybody get nervous about that? I mean, I have a way I'd rather pray that prayer, and that is, Father, forgive me my sins as you forgive other people's sins which really is not what it says. But consider, friends, if we are going to pray, Father, make your name holy, does it not require that my life be such that I am demonstrating to others that his name is holy? Yes or no? If I am going to pray, Father, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Does that have any implications for me? Amen. Amen. That would mean something like I better be practicing those things that I know to be the will of God. What does it mean then? If I pray, Father, thy kingdom come. Is there any implication to me? Yes. There is, isn't there? Just as the the method of Jesus was to go where the people were, and his message was to tell them there is a kingdom coming, and his ministry was to bring kingdom conditions to bear on that situation, so too, if I am to pray it, Thy kingdom come. Well, I'm not going to force God's hand. I'm not going to make God say, well, I was going to send it next year, but, uh, you know, Bob prayed to me, and after all, he used to be the faster pastor. So I'm going to have to do it today. But working with God, should we not be able to bring something of the kingdom into the here and now? Should we not? The more, the more fully 
I think through Jesus' model prayer, the more, I, the more I become uneasy with just lightly praying, may your name be honored, your kingdom come, your will be done, if I am not actively seeking ways to bring honor to God's name, if I'm not actively examining my life to see whether or not I am, a, I am acting, being the will of God, and whether or not in my wake there isn't more of the kingdom than there is in front of me. It's on my heart, friends, to, to say that I believe we ought to, to listen to our own prayers and ask, are we answering the prayers we pray? Can I pray, dear God, be with Sister Jane, which is one name I thought of that maybe there was nobody here named. <clears throat> be with Sister Jane. Amen. Can I pray that prayer without the implication really being that I should go be with Sister Jane? I mean, how can I do that? There may be exceptions, but I believe the rule is this, that if God has moved us to pray, that if God has moved me to pray for a situation that God is also intending for me to be moved by the situation. That it's not enough to say that God laid it on my heart to pray for you without also acknowledging that God has laid it on my heart to go, you know, see, is there something I can do about the prayer? Well, What's it have to do with what we're talking about? I believe Jesus was moved to pray, Thy kingdom come. That he was fully, fully hoping and praying and desiring that the trumpet would sound, that the graves would be opened, that the dead would rise and the kingdom would come then. But in the meantime, as Jesus was proclaiming that that event was good, that we should also, that he would also be going around and looking for situations that most needed the kingdom. People most in pain. People having the most hurt. Situations where there was the most unkingdom situations. I believe Jesus was moved to see hurt and pain and sorrow as areas that needed a flash of the kingdom. And that he was moved to go in and do what he could to bring it. I referred earlier to Acts chapter 8, where, uh, where we read about Philip preaching and what he preached. Let's read it. Acts chapter 8, verse 12. Acts 8, 12. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, what did he preach? The kingdom of God. 
and the name of Jesus Christ or the character of Jesus Christ. They were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. So even Philip, following the model of Jesus, going to where the people were, talking about the coming kingdom of God, that was his gospel, and then doing something about the situations that were the most unkingdom-like. Now, Jesus had the ability to heal. Apparently, Philip was still being used by God in a miraculous manner. Do we get a buy because, you know, God's not miraculously healing people anymore? Or at least not in that manner? Do we get a buy on this whole thing? I think not. I may not be able to heal Sister Jane, but you know what? I can do something there. By the grace of God, I can do something there. I can remove the loneliness for a few minutes. I can remind her that she's loved and appreciated. I can do something. I can lift some kind of burden, some manner or other. I can leave behind a piece of the kingdom, bringing a flash of God's future to bear. We as the church of God pride ourselves in being a people concerned with the coming kingdom. We, uh, we study it. We learn what we can about when it might be coming, what the conditions are going to be like. We study our Bible to learn all we can about where it's going to be. We learn all we can and study and look into what we'll be like during that kingdom and what life will be like. I, uh, I wonder, are we equally engaged as students of the kingdom at learning how to best bring flashes of that kingdom into the here and now? Bringing a piece of that coming kingdom into the kingdom in which we live. Kingdom the Bible describes as full of evil. Our neighborhoods need to see the kingdom. And the church said, Amen. Amen. We know too many people. I can look at the list and say, We know too many people that need to see the kingdom. Here and now, in some manner or other, need a piece of the kingdom, need a, need a flash of it brought into their lives. We need to bring a foretaste of what is to come into the here and now. We, friends, I don't believe have any higher calling from the king himself than to bring news of his kingship into the world around us. <clears throat> I, uh, y'all keep reminding me for some reason that the first part of me that's going to go is my memory. <clears throat> Thank you. Did uh, I don't remember. I, I, uh, I have adopted 
some very simple themes in my life, but I don't remember when I did so. Uh, so let me ask you a question. Those of you who uh, don't know who I am, you're exempt from this. Uh, did I ever say here, did I, uh, there are two words. Every time we open our Bible, when we, before we close it, every Sunday school lesson we attend, before we dismiss, every sermon we preach, before we close, two words we ought to say. Pardon me? Where did you get that? <clears throat> Praise the Lord. I couldn't remember. You know what? I heard, uh, I was listening to Christian radio down, uh, down home, and uh, this lady came on, I had never heard of her, and said, every time we open our Bible, we ought to say, so what? I should have trademarked it, or maybe I stole it from wherever she stole it from. <laughs> but what do I mean? You know? <clears throat> uh, so what do I do about it? Okay, I've heard about it. I've heard the historical context. Okay, that was what Jesus did. Well, you know, so what? So what about us? What about you and I? If we are agreeing that the kingdom in which we now live is a kingdom that has hurt and pain and agony and evil of every stripe, if we agree with that, if we agree that the gospel is the kingdom is coming and it's good and it's great and every place this one's wrong that one's right and that the king wants everyone we know in his coming kingdom if we agree with all of that if we agree that Jesus followed his message of the kingdom is coming with acts that tried to bring pieces of that into the place where this kingdom was most messed up you know, okay, good. But so what about us? What about us? My closing thoughts to you and my closing thoughts to me and to my new home church is simply what specific things do we have going on that do that, that bring the coming kingdom into the here and now that testify to the goodness of that coming kingdom by demonstrating it in the here and now. What's our schedule look like? I mean, we can get that specific. What does the schedule look like? If Have we planned ways that we as churches are going to demonstrate the kingdom that is coming? Creative ways to demonstrate to, to motivate our congregations to show off the kingdom, to bring flashes of it into the community. We need to be thinking, friends, I think very seriously, not just about when the kingdom's coming or where and how and who, but what can we do in the here and now until it shows up to do as Jesus did, as the early church did, and bring it to bear. I would say finally, are we as families? I asked about the church. What about us as families? What about us as individual members of God's coming kingdom? Me. What am I accomplishing to whet the appetite of those around me? 
that the coming kingdom, you know, if this one's good, the degree that the kingdom we're living in is good is just a reminder that our God is good. And it says he desires to give what kind of gifts to his children? Good gifts. Bible says about, Jesus says about our Father that he desires to give good gifts to our children. And praise the Lord, uh, more days than not, this life is full of good gifts from God. But uh, some days it's not the case. Some days it's not the case. Some months, some years, we know a lot about the evil of this world. And in those times especially, we need to be looking at ourselves, we need to be looking at our families, we need to be looking at our church and asking, to what degree are we bringing pieces of the kingdom into the here and now? Thank you.